part three section twenty seven of the maine woods by henry david thoreau this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three the allagash and east branch section twenty seven polis had evidently more curiosity respecting the few settlers in those woods than we if nothing was said he took it for granted that we wanted to go straight to the next log hut having observed that we came by the log huts at chesuncook and the blind canadians at the mud pond carry without stopping to communicate with the inhabitants he took occasion now to suggest that the usual way was when you came near a house to go to it and tell the inhabitants what you had seen or heard and then they tell you what they had seen but we laughed and said that we had had enough of houses for the present and had come here partly to avoid them in the meanwhile the wind increasing blew down the indian's birch and created such a sea that we found ourselves prisoners on the island the nearest shore which was the western being perhaps a mile distant and we took the canoe out to prevent its drifting away we did not know but we should be compelled to spend the rest of the day and the night there at any rate the indian went to sleep again in the shade of his birch my companion busied himself drying his plants and i rambled along the shore westward which was quite stony and obstructed with fallen bleached or drifted trees for four or five rods in width i found growing on this broad rocky and gravelly shore the salix rostrata discolor and lucida ranunculus recurvatus potentilla norvegica scutellaria lateriflora eupatorium purpureum aster tradescani mentha canadensis epilobium angustifolium abundant lycopus sinuatus solidago lanceolata spirea salicifolia antenaria margaritisia prunella rumex acetosella raspberries wool-grass onoclea etc the nearest trees were betula papyracea and excelsa and populus temuloides i give these names because it was my farthest northern point our indian said that he was a doctor and could tell me some medicinal use for every plant i could show him i immediately tried him he said that the inner bark of the aspen populus tremuloides was good for sore eyes and so with various other plants proving himself as good as his word according to his account he had acquired such knowledge in his youth from a wise old indian with whom he associated and he lamented that the present generation of indians had lost a great deal he said that the caribou was a very great runner that there was none about this lake now though there used to be many and pointing to the belt of dead trees caused by the dams he added no lycum stump when he sees that he's scared pointing southeasterly over the lake and distant forest he observed me go old town in three days i asked how he would get over the swamps and fallen trees oh said he in winter all covered go anywhere on snowshoes right across lakes when i asked how he went he said first i go katahdin west side then i go millinocket then pamadumcook then nicketow then lincoln then old town or else he went a shorter way by the piscataquis what a wilderness walk for a man to take alone none of your half-mile swamps 
none of your mile-wide woods merely as on the skirts of our towns without hotels only a dark mountain or a lake for guide-board and station over ground much of it impassable in summer it reminded me of prometheus bound here was travelling of the old heroic kind over the unaltered face of nature from the allegash or hemlock river and pangoquahem lake across great apmugenicamook and leaving the nurlum's keechticook mountain on his left he takes his way under the bear-haunted slopes of suniunk and katahdin mountains to pamadumcook and millinocket's inland seas where often gulls eggs may increase his store and so on to the forks of the nikitau niasoseb we alone joseph seeing what our folks see ever pushing the boughs of the fir and spruce aside with his load of firs contending day and night night and day with the shaggy demon vegetation travelling through the mossy graveyard of trees or he could go by that rough tooth of the sea kineo great source of arrows and of spears to the ancients when weapons of stone were used seeing and hearing moose caribou bears porcupines lynxes wolves and panthers places where he might live and die and never hear of the united states which makes such a noise in the world never hear of america so called from the name of a european gentleman there is a lumberer's road called the eagle lake road from the saboyas to the east side of this lake it may seem strange that any road through such a wilderness should be passable even in winter when the snow is three or four feet deep but at that season wherever lumbering operations are actively carried on teams are continually passing on the single track and it becomes as smooth almost as a railway i am told that in the aroostook country the sleds are required by law to be of one width four feet and sleighs must be altered to fit the track so that one runner may go in one rut and the other follow the horse yet it is very bad turning out we had for some time seen a thunder shower coming up from the west over the woods of the island and heard the muttering of the thunder though we were in doubt whether it would reach us but now the darkness rapidly increasing and a fresh breeze rustling the forest we hastily put up the plants which we had been drying and with one consent made a rush for the tent material and set about pitching it a place was selected and stakes and pins cut in the shortest possible time and we were pinning it down lest it should be blown away when the storm suddenly burst over us as we lay huddled together under the tent which leaped considerably about the sides with our baggage at our feet we listened to some of the grandest thunder which i ever heard rapid peals round and plump bang 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 in succession like artillery from some fortress in the sky and the lightning was proportionally brilliant the indian said it must be good powder all for the benefit of the moose and us echoing far over the concealed lakes i thought it must be a place which the thunder loved where the lightning practised to keep its hand in and it would do no harm to shatter a few pines what had become of the ephemerae and devil's needles then were they prudent enough to seek harbour before the storm perhaps their motions might guide the voyageur looking out i perceived that the violent shower falling on the lake had almost instantaneously flattened the waves the commander of that fortress had smoothed it for us so 
and, it clearing off, we resolved to start immediately before the wind raised them again. Going outside, I said that I saw clouds still in the southwest, and heard thunder there. The Indian asked if the thunder went lound, round, saying that if it did, we should have more rain. I thought that it did. We embarked, nevertheless, and pulled rapidly back toward the dams. The white-throated sparrows on the shore were about, singing, ah ti 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 or else ah ti 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 at the outlet of chamberlain lake we were overtaken by another gusty rainstorm which compelled us to take shelter the indian under his canoe on the bank and we ran under the edge of the dam however we were more scared than wet from my covert i could see the indian peeping out from beneath his canoe to see what had become of the rain when we had taken our respective places thus once or twice the rain not coming down in earnest we commenced rambling about the neighbourhood for the wind had by this time raised such waves on the lake that we could not stir and we feared that we should be obliged to camp there we got an early supper on the dam and tried for fish there while waiting for the tumult to subside the fishes were not only few but small and worthless and the indian declared that there were no good fishes in the st john's waters that we must wait till we got to the penobscot waters at length just before sunset we set out again it was a wild evening when we coasted up the north side of this apmujenegamook lake one thunderstorm was just over and the waves which it had raised still running with violence and another storm was now seen coming up in the southwest far over the lake but it might be worse in the morning and we wished to get as far as possible on our way up the lake while we might it blowed hard against the northern shore about an eighth of a mile distant on our left and there was just as much sea as our shallow canoe would bear without our taking unusual care that which we kept off and toward which the waves were driving was as dreary and harbourless a shore as you can conceive for half a dozen rods in width it was a perfect maze of submerged trees all dead and bare and bleaching some standing half their original height others prostrate and criss-across above or beneath the surface and mingled with them were loose trees and limbs and stumps beating about imagine the wharves of the largest city in the world decayed and the earth and planking washed away leaving the spiles standing in loose order but often of twice the ordinary height and mingled with and beating against them the wreck of ten thousand navies all their spars and timbers while there rises from the water's edge the densest and grimmest wilderness ready to supply more material when the former fails and you may get a faint idea of that coast we could not have landed if we would without the gravest danger of being swamped so blow as it might we must depend on coasting by it it was twilight too and that stormy cloud was advancing rapidly in our rear it was a pleasant excitement yet we were glad to reach at length in the dusk the cleared shore of the chamberlain farm we landed on a low and thinly wooded point there and while my companions were pitching the tent i ran up to the house to get some sugar our six pounds being gone it was no wonder they were for polis had a sweet tooth he would first fill his dipper nearly a third full of sugar and then add the coffee to it here was a clearing extending back from the lake to a hilltop 
with some dark-colored log buildings and a storehouse in it and half a dozen men standing in front of the principal hut greedy for news among them was the man who tended the dam on the allegash and tossed the bullet he having charge of the dams and learning that we were going to webster stream the next day told me that some of their men who were haying at telos lake had shut the dam at the canal there in order to catch trout and if we wanted more water to take us through the canal we might raise the gate for he would like to have it raised the chamberlain farm is no doubt a cheerful opening in the woods but such was the lateness of the hour that it has left but a dusky impression on my mind as i have said the influx of light merely is civilizing yet i fancied that they walked about on sundays in their clearing somewhat as in a prison yard they were unwilling to spare more than four pounds of brown sugar unlocking the storehouse to get it since they only kept a little for such cases as this and they charged twenty cents a pound for it which certainly it was worth to get it up there when i returned to the shore it was quite dark but we had a rousing fire to warm and dry us by and a snug apartment behind it the indian went up to the house to inquire after a brother who had been absent hunting a year or two and while another shower was beginning i groped about cutting spruce and arborvitae twigs for a bed i preferred the arborvitae on account of its fragrance and spread it particularly thick about the shoulders it is remarkable with what pure satisfaction the traveller in these woods will reach his camping-ground on the eve of a tempestuous night like this as if he had got to his inn and rolling himself in his blanket stretch himself on his six feet by two bed of dripping fir twigs with a thin sheet of cotton for roof snug as a meadow mouse in its nest invariably our best nights were those when it rained for then we were not troubled with mosquitoes you soon come to disregard rain on such excursions at least in the summer it is so easy to dry yourself supposing a dry change of clothing is not to be had you can much sooner dry you by such a fire as you can make in the woods than in anybody's kitchen the fireplace is so much larger and wood so much more abundant a shed-shaped tent will catch and reflect the heat like a yankee baker and you may be drying while you are sleeping some who have leaky roofs in the towns may have been kept awake but we were soon lulled asleep by a steady soaking rain which lasted all night to-night the rain not coming at once with violence the twigs were soon dried by the reflective heat wednesday july twenty ninth when we awoke it had done raining though it was still cloudy the fire was put out and the indian's boots which stood under the eaves of the tent were half full of water he was much more improvident in such respects than either of us and he had to thank us for keeping his powder dry we decided to cross the lake at once before breakfast or while we could and before starting i took the bearing of the shore which we wished to strike south-south-east about three miles distant lest a sudden misty rain should conceal it when we were midway though the bay in which we were was perfectly quiet and smooth we found the lake already wide awake outside but not dangerously or unpleasantly so nevertheless when you get out on one of those lakes in a canoe like this you do not forget that you are completely at the mercy of the wind and a fickle power it is the playful waves may at any time become too rude for you in their sport and play right on over you 
we saw a few shikorways and a fish-hawk thus early and after much steady paddling and dancing over the dark waves of atmujenegamook we found ourselves in the neighbourhood of the southern land heard the waves breaking on it and turned our thoughts wholly to that side after coasting eastward along this shore a mile or two we breakfasted on a rocky point the first convenient place that offered it was well enough that we crossed thus early for the waves now ran quite high and we should have been obliged to go round somewhat but beyond this point we had comparatively smooth water you can commonly go along one side or the other of a lake when you cannot cross it the indian was looking at the hard wood ridges from time to time and said that he would like to buy a few hundred acres somewhere about this lake asking our advice it was to buy as near the crossing place as possible my companion and i having a minute's discussion on some point of ancient history were amused by the attitude which the indian who could not tell what we were talking about assumed he constituted himself umpire and judging by our air and gesture he very seriously remarked from time to time you beat or he beat end of section twenty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine